You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. in God, guess what? You're calling him a liar. When you refuse to trust in God, you're calling him a liar and you dishonor him because you're not believing in his word. Elimelech was majoring on the physical and not the spiritual. Yes, he wanted to provide for his family, but not at the expense of losing God's blessing. I want to provide for my family too, but if my family was destitute, I wouldn't go out and rob a bank. Many of us tend to feel upset, offended, or in some cases insulted whenever someone says they don't trust us. Given that God is perfect, how do you think He feels when His children don't trust Him? In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the importance of living by faith and trusting in God's guidance. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ruth chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Grass is Always Greener. So the famine was intense, and a man by the name of Elimelech decided to take his family and move to a different country. What's interesting about this is, in the original King James, it uses the word sojourn instead of dwell. Sojourn means you're just a visitor. Sojourn means you're going to be there for a little while and you're going to return It appears that they were there a little longer than they wanted to stay because they stayed for 10 some odd years. It's interesting their names. Now let's look at their names. Elimelech means God is king. Naomi means pleasant. Malon means song. And his brother Chilion means satisfaction. So what do I get from that? They were a very happy family. A very, very happy. God is king. Pleasant. Song. Satisfaction. What more can you ask for? Remember, names were given for the times in which they lived. Names were given when when something happened in their lives. It must have been a very, very happy family, and they were residing in the most beautiful city of Bethlehem. Who could ask for more? They were dwelling in the house of bread. It always makes us feel better. always makes me feel better when I dwell in the house of the Lord, when I dwell in the house of bread, when I eat heavenly manna. When I eat heavenly manna and I'm blessed... David knew something about that. Listen to this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Sounds like a happy guy. Dwelling in the house of the Lord. Dwelling in the house of manna. Right below Jerusalem, very, very short distance, is the town of Bethlehem. town of Bethlehem is very, very close to Jerusalem. Now, they had to go up around Jericho, pass over Jericho, and come down into Moab. 
They had to travel some 50 miles. They had to hike through the desolate Jericho Pass, through the Judean wilderness near the Dead Sea. They had to cross the Jordan River into the land of Moab. They were departing from the promised land, the land that God had given their forefathers. They decided that wasn't good enough, and they were going to leave the abundant life and go someplace else. They returned to the wilderness. Many, many times in my Christian life, I've returned to the wilderness. And it isn't a pleasant thing. Sometimes I'm in the wilderness and I feel like I carved my initials on a cactus. And then when I come back around, the cactus has grown and my initials are way up there. And I said, have I been in here this long? Sometimes I like the wilderness. Sometimes we feel comfortable in the wilderness until the stingrays come, I mean the, uh, the scorpions come out. But God had delivered them from the wilderness hundreds of years before. They were going in the wrong direction. They were going backwards. They were going in the wrong direction. They were running to God. They were running away from God. Instead of allowing God to purify them and help them in the midst of a famine and seek his face, they ran away to a foreign country. Number one, the country did not know God. The country did not want, not want to know God. The country wanted nothing to do with their God. They worshiped idols. Think about your life. Do you do the same thing? In times of trouble, do you seek God or do you run away? In times of trouble, is God the first person you seek? Or do you hit the internet to find out what's wrong first? Do you pray first or do you wait till somebody says, let's pray, and you go, has it come to that? How do you act? In times of affliction, in times of well, do you seek the quick fix? This drug's going to help me get through it. I can get through it with just this little pill. I can get through it. I can stop anytime I want to. I can control it. I just need to get over the hump. That's all. You know, I need a little booze every now and then just to cut the edge. Plus a little toke. You know, I need that. I can stop anytime I want. I have control over it. I just need to borrow a little bit more money and then I can pay my bills. I know I'm in debt way over my head, but I need to borrow a little more money to pay my bills. My wife doesn't understand me. My wife just doesn't understand me. But you know, there's a lady at work who likes to listen to me when I talk, and we're just friends. We're just having conversation. We're just friends. We look everywhere we need to look for security. We look everywhere we need to look for help except the place we need to look. And that's God. We don't look at him first. That's why we read the word. Because if we were students for the word, of the word, which you are, I know you are, we would know that Psalm 46 verse 1 said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. We go everywhere but him. What made this decision wrong? He didn't put his faith in God. He didn't put his faith in God. He was walking by sight and not by faith. He was walking by what he sees and not by faith. He was going by the physical and not the spiritual. Now, how do we walk by faith? We need to claim the promises of God by being obedient to his word in spite of the difficulty, in spite of how you feel, in spite of what you see, in spite of what happens. No buts. Ever talk to somebody 
you really need to have God? And you're like, yeah, but. No, no, no. As soon as they say, yeah, but, it's no. No matter how difficult a circumstances may be, and I am never, ever trying to minimize a circumstance, please, I don't do that, because they're tough and they're rough and they hurt. But no matter how difficult a circumstance may be, the best place to be is in the will of God. Elimelech left. When we live by faith, God is glorified. And there's a witness that goes forth for all to see. We studied in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. When we refuse to trust in God, guess what? You're calling him a liar. When you refuse to trust in God, you're calling him a liar, and you dishonor him because you're not believing in his word. Elimelech was majoring on the physical and not the spiritual. Yes, he wanted to provide for his family, but not at the expense of losing God's blessing. I want to provide for my family too, but if my family was destitute, I wouldn't go out and rob a bank. Satan met Jesus in the wilderness, and his first temptation was to suggest that Jesus satisfy his hunger rather than please God the Father. You know what Jesus said? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Satan would say, but you have to live. I've got to live. But the word of God says, in Christ we live and have our being. We live and have our being in Christ. Look at Acts 17, 28. David knew this in Psalm 37, verse 25. Paul knew this in Acts 20, 24. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So why do we try? Why do we run away? Elimelech abandoned God's plan for their lives and he moves 50 miles away from Bethlehem to Moab. The Moabites... What do we know about the Moabites? Well, you should know that they are the people, the descendants of the child that was born out of incest with Lot's eldest daughter. You know the story. They had just fled Sodom. Sodom was destroyed by fire and brimstone. Mom became a salt lick in the desert. Kind of humorous. It wasn't humorous. The girls get up there and they go, gee, there's nobody here to perpetuate the family. We're, there's nobody here. So let's get dad drunk. They get dad drunk and they have sex with him. And they become pregnant, both of them. And from them, from their children, you have the Moabites and the Ammonites, two of the biggest enemies of Israel ever. They were enemies. Remember when we studied, studied Judges 3? It was the Moabites that invaded Israel and they ruled over the people for 18 years. They came in and did horrible things to the people. They worshiped idols. And here, Abimelech is leading the comforts of God, leaving. He's only a walking distance to the temple of Jerusalem. And he's going to Moab, a foreign country. God disdained the Moabites. You know what God called them? In Psalm 60, he calls them a wash pot. You can translate it as toilet towel. You wash the feet of the conquering soldiers. God disdained the Moabites. See, for every decision we make, there are inevitable consequences. Elimelech left God out of his decisions and went to the land of Moabites. He was going in the wrong direction. One bad decision 
led to another bad decision. Once he got there, his sons grew up. And they married Moabite women, which was also against God's law. I mean, it continues, this snowball continues to happen. The Jews were strictly forbidden to marry Gentile women, especially from Moab and Ammon. You can read about that in Deuteronomy 7, Nehemiah 13, and Ezra 9. It was the Moabite woman that seduced the Jewish men into immorality and idolatry, and as a result, 24,000 of them died in Numbers 25. You can read about that. Elimelech wanted to save his family from famine and escape death. This is a good thing. He cared for his family. See, sometimes we do things that are good. We think they're good because we're acting in our family's best interest, but they're bad. We don't wait for God. Instead, he exposes them to idolaters and exposes them to evil. Sadly, the three men die. The three men pass away. They die. What was to be a small little trip for a while ended up to be 10 years. The end result of this disobedience was three lonely widows. Now, there are tragic and extremely sad consequences for this disobedience. The man whose name was God as king certainly did not allow God to be king of his life. He forsook God, and he left them out in the cold. He was doing what the rest of the nation was doing, whatever was right in his own eyes. I need to get food, so we're going to go. We're going to leave, and we're going to go this way. Here's what's interesting to me, folks. We all have been given a new name. Elimelech was, God is king. That was his name, and he didn't live up to that name. You have a new name. It's called Christian. It's called Christian, little Christ. Christ-like, depending upon your translation. But how many of us truly follow Christ in all things? How many of us allow the Lord take care of our entire lives? How many of us do what was right in our own eyes and never consult the Lord, ask for his opinion or what he wants to do? If we choose to follow the way of the world, we cannot say God is our king any longer. And we really should not call ourselves Christian. How many of us run away from our problem when it arises and search elsewhere instead of praying to God who controls all things and knows all things and is above all things? Grass is always greener. Grass always looks so much better over there. Try to run away from our problems. We move. We change jobs. We borrow money. Get out of debt. But you know, the problems just seem not go away. You have problems here, and you move to another town. Guess what? Problems come along in the U-Haul. They come along with you. And they settle in right with you when you're there. The same problems that you had in that town, you're going to have in this town if you don't take care of them. If you're not trusting in God here in Lower Township, what makes you will trust in him in another town? Many people want to serve the Lord, but they don't want to serve him right away. I'll wait until a certain time. Well, if you're not serving the Lord now, what makes you think you'll serve him then? Come and follow me. Oh, you know, I got to go bury my dead father. Wait, what? Come and follow me. You know, I got to look at some horses that I'm going to buy. What are you putting before the Lord? If you're not serving God here in Lower Township, what makes you think you're going to serve him in another location? 
Unless God specifically calls you into another location, but if he does that, I can guarantee you're already serving him here. The problem is not the location. The problem is not the job. The problem is not lack of funding. The problem is your heart. It's the unbelief and disobedient in your heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? The problems outside look really enormous, but I got news for you. The problem inside is a heck of a lot bigger. It's a heck of a lot bigger. This is what Oswald Chambers says, the great Oswald Chambers. I love him. My utmost for you, his highest, is one of my favorite, favorite devotions. He says this, quote, a man has to learn the plague of his own heart before his own problems can be solved, unquote. Has to learn the plague of his own heart. This is just like us. In dry times, in times of stress, in times of problems and circumstances, we leave the security of God and we venture out on our own to find the answers that are right before us in God's Word. So many of us want a, want a self-help book. So many of us want an easy fix, a quick fix. We leave the security of God. We say, Lord, I'm only going to be gone for a little while. I'm only going to sojourn over here. I want to take this pill for pain that I have right now, or I'm going to use this joint to take care of this pain. Times are really hard, and I need a break, Lord, and I'm going to take a break from you, and I'm going to go this way. I'll be back. I'll be back, Lord. We travel to Moab. There's all kinds of crazy things going on in Moab, and we become enticed, and we kind of like it there. Grass looks greener, but then all of a sudden we get sucked in. We can't get out. We seem to have lost our way back. We don't know how to get back. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to leave what we've been doing and come back to the Lord. When God is no longer the king of your heart, the song is dead within me, and my satisfaction is also dead. Just like Elimelech, Mehalon, and Chilion are dead. Realizing what a disaster decision that they had made, Naomi begins to yearn for Bethlehem. She yearns for Bethlehem and the comfort of the one true living God. She wants to return. She wants to return. The book of Ruth is a story of redemption. It's a story of redemption. And oh, how we're going to glean from it some wonderful things because our God is ever faithful. Our God is ever faithful. And when you stray away from him, when you go into Moab, he's standing right behind you with his arms wide open, calling to you, come back to me. Come back to me. His arms wide open to receive you. In fact, he does one thing better than that. He does one thing better than that. Like the dad of the prodigal son, the first time you make a turn towards him, he comes bolting towards you. He comes running with you with arms outstretched, the robe, the ring, kill the fatted calf, let's have a party. What was lost has now been home. And if you're out there today, wherever you may be, if you're in Moab, and that grass isn't as green as you thought it looked, come home. Come home to God. You're not going to have to travel 50 miles to get home like Naomi and Ruth will. Come home to God. All you have to say is, Lord, I need you. I want to come back. And it'll be like you never left.
Come back today to him. Come back to God today. Don't wait. Don't wait. I'm going to wait until the time is right. No, 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 no. The time is more, never more right than it is right now. Don't wait any longer. Come back to God today. He's longing for you. He's yearning for you. He wants to put that royal robe upon you, the robe of righteousness. He wants to take off those dirty, nasty clothes of sin and those rags of your righteousness. And he wants to tear those off of you. And he washes you up and clean out your ears and, and clean you up royally and put that robe on you and put his arms around you and tell you how value you are to him. He wants to tell you that he loves you and that there's no one like you and you're the apple of his eye. He says, do you realize how much I love you? My son, my son, my only begotten son, part of me came to, came to earth as a man and died for you so that you could have a relationship with me. That's how much I love you. And I know we have problems. You know, this is a horrible, nasty world. And, and folks, it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better. We pray and pray and pray and pray. But we need to be praying for the people who are lost. We need to be praying for those who are lost. It's not going to get any better. For those of you who have accepted Christ in your life, for those of you who have been born again into a living hope, this is the worst it gets. Because what awaits you can't even compare with what you're going through. It's glorious. See, I see that in this story as we begin this beautiful story of love, of redemption, of harvest, of souls, and how God uses a Gentile you know where Ruth ends up? How many even know where Ruth ends up? She ends up in the lineage of Christ. She ends up in the lineage of Christ. She becomes David's grandmother. David, King David. Tell me we don't serve a wonderful God. Tell me we don't serve a God who is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. That's what this story is all about. It starts out rocky. And maybe it was a bummer today hearing all the things that we were talking about. Maybe it kind of bummer. You know, we got to shake things. One of the reasons Naomi had to be emptied was so that God could fill her again. One of the reasons Ruth came back empty was so that God could fill her again. We need to empty ourselves. We need to empty ourselves and allow God to fill us up. God to lift us up. What a great story. We're going to have such a good time in here. I can't, no, I'd like to get through a chapter a week, but that ain't going to happen. I can't see that's not going to happen. I want to whet your appetite for God's word. I want you now to go back and read God's word. Go over these first five verses and see what the Lord might speak to you about. These are some of the things that he spoke to me about. And this is the direction that I went. Who knows? He might have something different for you. God's word is alive. Read through, read all 22 uh, verses. Go into chapter two and, and three. There's, a very, there's only four chapters. It's a very, very short book. Read it. Get close to God. Allow him, you, allow him to do wonders in your life through his word. That's my prayer for you. You are The Book of Ruth is a beautiful story of loyalty, redemption, and love both Ruth and Naomi lost people they deeply cared for, but still they chose to trust in the Lord's faithfulness, and God was faithful to provide just what they needed at just the right time. God is faithful still today, and He's working an incredible plan in your life. While you may only see the loss, He sees the beautiful future. 
Don't be afraid to trust him and step forward in his plans for you. He will bring you to the exact place you need to be. We're so glad you joined us today to study the book of Ruth. If you missed any part of this teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com today. Maybe today as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. If that sounds like you, please visit our website and click on the Jesus tab to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. It will answer some of your questions and explain how you can start a relationship with Jesus today. If you still have some questions or would like us to pray with you, please give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.